So today we had Mary Olivar with us. If you would like to come on this journey and listen to what good information we have been able to discuss, we're happy to have you and you can reach her at theawokenchild.com. <laughs> have you done a podcast before? I have, but not in this setting. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. It was a little more, a little more casual. Yeah. I try to keep it casual with my attire. <laughs> I haven't done, I haven't done a filmed one. That's gotcha. where it's been. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I've I, done a lot of TV actually. So. Oh, cool. I try to pretend like the cameras aren't there, but it's really hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I used to be, I mean, I did a lot with Whole Foods. One of the things I did was spokesperson. So yeah. I did have done a lot of cooking shows, oh, like live TV mm-hmm. cooking shows. So that's, yeah. That's but exciting. if it's live, it's just so like, here we go. Like there's no, you just roll with it. So. Exactly. You can't go back. So might as well just keep going forward. Totally. Well, thank you again for joining us mm-hmm. for our viewers or listeners who are not familiar with who you are. If you could just tell us a little about your name as well as, you know, your background and what's bringing you here today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Tyler. Uh, my name is Mary Olivar and I wear a lot of different hats. Uh, my short bio is from kale to cannabis to consciousness. And, um, I have a lot of projects I work on, but the main thing I do is as a spiritual mentor, helping people connect with their purpose and feel the greater connection they have to the earth, to each other, to the cosmos, and uh, bring that sense of purpose and connection and the inspiration and the heart alignment that comes with it into their work and into all aspects of their lives, hopefully. Very cool. Yeah. So listening to that, you know, I definitely align with a lot of the things you've already said, specifically kale and cannabis. (laughs) (laughs) But some other things, you know, you talk a lot already about just like how finding what our purpose is does involve a lot of getting in touch with the earth, with our heart, with a lot of words that people would say are a little bit out there. You know, I mean, it's easy for people to um, imagine someone dying and rising again for our sins, but it's hard for them to understand that we have a connection to the earth. So I think it's really interesting um, as you explain that, because I've, I've talked to friends about it too, and they think I'm crazy for, for even mentioning things like trying to connect with the earth. How do you feel those types of questions and that like, I assume people already have that guard up when you start talking. Uh, at least that's what I've encountered with, with some of those topics. Well, all of those topics, whether it's healthy eating or you know the complicated, fascinating plan of cannabis or the topic of consciousness yeah. are things that can feel really complicated to begin with. And something I love to do is take something that feels outside of ourselves and overwhelming and how do we do this and make it really tangible. So when it comes to your question of connecting to the earth, what does that mean? What's that hippie (laughs) stuff? Uh, You know, we live, we're earthlings. Right. We live in, you know, as you know, as a doctor in uh, these biological organisms that house our consciousness or our mind or our spirit or soul, whatever word resonates with you. Sure. We live in a mammalian body and we have a lot of instincts that we're infused in and we come from millennia of evolution and we have things that we are very closely related to on the planet and we have evolved being in sync with the rhythms of the planet and the skies and the seasons. And so these are things that are deeply ingrained in our very being. And I find that most people, rather than being resistant, are actually relieved to be reminded that doing something as simple as sitting on the ground 
as saying hello to a place, as greeting the sun in the morning are really easy ways that can help them feel better all the time throughout their day and help them remember like who we really are. And we are earthlings. Like this is, it's undeniable. So it's, um, that's, something I just really love doing is helping people reconnect in a way that finds feels real and authentic, authentic to them. Yeah. You know, I, I've been, you know, trying to explore a lot of, um, how to get in touch with my inner self and just becoming more self-aware over the last few years and just really listening to my body too. It's something that is so simple mm-hmm. uh, and it takes me back to something that you just mentioned about kind of just getting on the floor. I think people don't spend much time on the floor yeah. and my partner and I, um, are very unique. We used to sleep on the couch every night because we love our living room and it's very convenient to our kitchen and we love to get up all night and (laughs) snack. Again, the cannabis problem. But uh, So then we went from the couch, which was destroying our back, to the bed. And then again, my back was just causing me a lot of issues. So we started sleeping on the floor, just Mm. a blanket on the floor. I have a four bedroom house with four beds. (laughs) We sleep (laughs) on the living room floor, but it has made such a huge difference for me, I don't know if it works for everybody, but my lower back has never felt better. It's almost like I do yoga while I'm sleeping. Mm. You know, I'm just stretching and connecting to the ground. And when I wake up first thing in the morning, it's not a super comfy place to be. So I'm like ready to get up and go. Whereas when I'm sleeping in the bed, it's like too cozy to move, you know? So it's made a, a really big impact on us. Our friends think we're crazy. Our moms think we're nuts because they come to our house a lot and they like they like to like be involved. And, and so they'll clean up for us and do projects from the house. But it's funny when we're out of town, they'll like, make our bed on the floor like our pallet <laughs> it's it's very That's funny but super cute <laughs> just being simple like that though can make big differences for people i don't necessarily think everyone should jump on the floor and start yeah. sleeping there but getting on the floor grounding yourself having some time there is really important and it's even more effective not to sleep but if you do it uh, outside yes you know we hear a lot about um how good it is to be in nature and studies that show that time in nature elevate mood and improve uh even performance and all kinds of different um, measurable aspects of our mental health but uh just taking some time every day if possible and you don't have to be barefooted you don't have to like be naked (laughs) you can if you want that's great but just acknowledging place yeah and acknowledging again earth and for me the earth is a complex magical and uh, uh powerful being but i understand that that is a bit woo for a lot of people but even just taking a moment to take a deep breath and allow yourself to come into presence. That's another word that's tossed out a lot, be present, do this, but what does that really mean? And to me, part of that is noticing where we are and what a better place to do that than somewhere outside. There's also the idea that you can um, work with the earth to help, um, help support your emotions and help support your energy body, if you will. Sure. And, um, you know, she's, if we look at soil, it's excellent. You know, the earth itself is excellent at composting and taking things that are old and uh, regenerating them into new life and things that are uh, nurturing and uh, nourishing. And so, The idea is that the earth can also do this with our energy bodies. So taking that time, using a nice big breath to breathe out, whatever we're holding on to that's keeping our minds too busy, that's bringing in our emotional loops that are not in resonance with our happiness and really allowing the earth to help transmute that 
it sounds, like I said, a little woo, but it's a powerful practice that also people have been doing for millennia. For sure. Mm -hmm. I think um, thinking about how impactful the earth has become really in my life in the past year, um, it really started the beginning of this year. We decided we were going to start landscaping in our yard. We have a, a relatively nice, you know, uh, decent sized yard, and it was pretty bare and kind of ugly. We had an old, ugly fence. We didn't really want to spend much time out there because it just wasn't aesthetically pleasing. And we realized that, you know, we have two arms, two legs. We could grab a wheelbarrow and start doing things in the backyard to make it look nicer so that we want to spend more time there. And so we did that this summer as well. And now every morning, that's how we kind of start our day. I usually backload my day so I can work mostly in the afternoons and the evenings because I have seasonal affective disorder mm -hmm. so I need to be in the sun at some point the sun is the best you, first you thing in the morning you love saying hello to the sun yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? it's like literally a part of of my day and now that I have all these flowers and bushes to greet me as well it's so much more exciting we love to like find little bugs and critters and all of our stuff and, and watch it grow it's it's been such a bonding experience for my partner and I and a great way to be outside and then on the back end inside how we've used um, more earth products is this year we've gone about 85% pro produce based mm. with our diet. So that means getting everything in that produce category from the produce section, not out of a bag, not frozen, not out of a jar, not out of a can, and using those products that are made from the earth yeah. to feed us. It's yeah. made a huge difference. And I'm sure you have a lot to say about the kale as well as yes. the important things that the earth is providing for us and people are not getting enough of. Yes, I'm, I've always been a big fan of the earth, <laughs> a big earth mama myself. Um, and absolutely, the more we can move into things that are less processed, both in how they were grown as well as anything that's happened to them after they are grown, it just really maximizes our ability to uh, take that support in and really um, focuses on increasing the number of micronutrients. We talk so much about macronutrients and fats and proteins and carbs, but like the micro is where it's at, making sure you're getting the antioxidants and vitamins and um, micronutrients like minerals and all that good stuff that's yeah. really keeping our vitality. You said something else though that I would love to Please. talk about that you talked about going um, into the garden and the experience of watching things bloom and finding insects and I've been having that recently in my own garden because I planted a winter garden and so watching the seeds emerge is like very exciting cool. to me. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, you know. So we're part of what we're doing there is we're allowing ourselves to experience the um, emotion and the sensation of awe yep. of wonder yes and we talk a lot about you know again in our you should be more present you should do this you should be more grateful you should be more loving which are wonderful things and i'm happy to talk about those but another aspect is awe and yes. awe is a really um unmentioned aspect that I feel like is fundamental to our happiness, yeah. to our joy, to that childhood wonder that also connects us with our inspiration and um, then to our creativity. So really what you're saying, like being able to connect with that awe, that like joie de vivre and like, oh, I'm alive yes. and this earth is really cool and there's yeah. interesting things happen. That sounds like it helps carry you throughout your day, and uh, that's so. That's the kind of thing I love helping people remember. Like remember is a word I lot I use a lot, and I can call it things that I teach. I can call it, you know, practices that I share. But essentially, I believe I'm helping people remember and realize the truths that we've just forgotten in this busy modern world. Yeah. And 
yeah, I feel like once we get them, we're just like, oh yeah, you're going to say hello to the sun every day (laughs) for the rest of your life. It's going to feel great every time. Yeah. And it definitely does. Um, when you start to, when you start to take time to notice those little things like saying hello to the sun, looking at your garden, you also start to allow that to creep into other areas of your life. Just taking the moment when first thing in the morning, me and my partner are just taking deep breaths, like getting ready to get out of the bed, you know, and just cherishing those moments we have together, cherishing times when I'm with my mom and we're somewhere for dinner, or it just reminds me to take that moment because I'm intentional about saying hello to the sun and intentional about looking at my garden. I'm like, where else should I be intentional? Mm -hmm. Where else should I stop and take that moment? Because really too, I'm focusing a lot on bettering my relationships with my family and my friends and my partner this year too. So just always reminding myself to keep that intention there, to take that moment, enjoy that moment. We're all so busy and things are going so quickly all the time. Um, it's, it's very easy to kind of let that get carried away and miss that. And I think too, one of the things that me and my partner get to do together, which I would love to talk to you about, is we are big cannabis users. Mm-hmm. And so we started um, really like, I started using cannabis about a year before I met him. It was maybe 2017 or 2018. A friend of mine, um, we were actually at Coachella, which is a random place to, to, to try it. Or, or not. <laughs> not right? It kind of makes sense too. But for me, it was quite overwhelming, quite yeah. overstimulating. Um, so I didn't really love it, but uh, my friend was like, you should just try it at home by yourself while you're watching TV when you're not stressed. And it just changed the way I think. It, it, it took almost no time for me to just have that moment to disconnect and be able to um, spend a lot of time with my thoughts and what I really want to do and who I am. Unfortunately, I've never really been able to open that side of my brain until I was using cannabis mm-hmm. because I've been so stressed. I've been so busy. I'm never able to be like in the moment. And that does kind of allow us to have that time and space to remove everything out, focus on each other, focus on myself. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what your experience has been with cannabis or how you sort of recommend it or, or whatnot, but well, to hear. you said two things that I would really like to pick up on. Yeah. And um, the first one, which is sometimes referred to as set and setting. Gotcha. And, you know, when you, when you first took it, as you described, you were in a pretty... Uh, unpredictable space and with a lot of other people's energy around and it wasn't a great experience for you. (laughs) Um, But later you're moving into a place with much more intentionality and it sounds like you've really built a relationship with the plant where you're coming with reverence and um, also with uh, the acknowledgement that it's a support to you. And one of the things I find really fascinating about cannabis is its vast array of compounds, both um, cannabinoids as well as various um, other terpenes and phytochemicals. And cannabinoids, as you probably know, you know, we have our own, we produce endogenous cannabinoids. You have your own endocannabinoid system, which is deeply um, intertwined with our homeostasis. So all kinds of aspects are being regulated through that system as a big communication system and a feedback loop. And um, cannabis has such potential for helping um, balance that system and also for so many people that may be suffering, whether it's for a mental situation or um, physical situations, the plant has the opportunity to bring in a lot of relief, um, particularly in the areas of um, pain or anxiety. And so it sounds like that's one of the places that you were able to connect, are able to connect with it, that's really been a benefit. Um, but essentially, I whether it is um, 
kale or cannabis or other plants, I am a big believer, as we've been talking about, of the healing powers of the earth, and also a big believer in our human sovereignty to be able to access those plants and to not be punished for them or shamed um, and or politicized. And so that's something that I, you know, really uh, advocate for. And that was one of the big reasons I got involved in cannabis, both as an investor in companies that I believed in and with a lot of integrity as an advocate, educating other people about the possibilities of the plant and even going to the Texas state capitol and speaking with legislators um, and also advising companies and how to uh, show up in a way that was aligned with their integrity. But I saw so many, you know, in my times and doing advocacy work, I really was able to connect with people um, who had, you know, epileptic children who were veterans suffering from PTSD, who were dealing with chronic pain and saw what a... um, powerful medicine the plant was for them. Um, So that was one piece that really drove me in being more um, vocal for that. And this is uh, one of the reasons that I'm also now working um, to be an advocate in the psychedelics industry. They still see a lot of mental health potential, a lot of good medicine available in that. Um, And then there's also the aspect of cannabis of um, recreation, which I also support. I feel like it's very um, hypocritical for us to plaster the world with ads for alcohol and then be like, you can use cannabis as long as you don't get high. And I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) So, yeah. So that's again, the piece of like our freedoms and our individual right to choose um, what goes into our bodies and what doesn't go into our bodies as well. Yeah. It definitely is interesting to um, look at it from the perspective that you you drive over a certain state line and then you have complete access. And then a few zip codes over. It's weird. Yeah. It's (laughs) it's bizarre. And um, as far as recreational use, you know, I think um, for me and my partner, it's really helped us to connect on a level where we're able to sort of get very vulnerable very quickly. Mm -hmm. I think it really made us early in our relationship open up with a lot of the trauma we'd been through, through past relationships, you know, we really early on decided that if we were going to be together, we were going to go all the way in. It was going to be to, you know, put all of our energy there. And if it didn't work out, we needed to know early ahead of time, like who we were. We wanted to be completely authentic with each other. And that's not easy to do early. You know, you have a lot of those walls that are built, stress in your life, you're doing other things, you're working, you have bills. And even today, I find at the end of the day, sometimes the only way that we're able to really connect and me to let go of the day is by using cannabis and and kind of opening that window where I'm like, okay, I can just be present with you here Mm -hmm. and we can laugh and we can just focus on this moment. Do you feel like in your, you know, um, practice and your um, advocacy that you've come in contact with other couples that have found cannabis to be beneficial for them? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, I see, um, I know, numerous couples and that's it's a really core pillar of their relation is their yeah. shared love for that plan <laughs> and you know i mean as with any relationship you're gonna have things that you share together and that's right. a really important thing and it might be a plant it might be hiking it could be you right. know all kinds of um opportunities so uh but what you're describing too is you're using it um you said recreation, which is it's definitely bringing in relief and relaxation and, and joy, but also it sounds like therapeutically, again, you're really that intentionality that's behind it sure. is really key to that uh, successful relationship that you're building. Yeah. And and so that's and that's a theme that I feel like is both present for what we we're talking about with cannabis and also with the earth. It's relationship. 
Um, I've had the privilege of working uh, with um, indigenous teachers, and I really, it's something I've been honored to learn um, and experience, and uh, it's something I'm happy to talk about more, but one of the principles um, that is common through many indigenous um, teachings and communities is the idea of right relationship. Mm. And it's um, contrary to a lot of our modern belief, which is based on separation and individuality, but the idea of relationship is that we are not separate. Like, I am not separate from you. We are not separate from people we don't know on the street. Right. We're not separate from the earth. We're not separate from the plants. Like, we are all part of the sky, of the stones, of the waters. We are all connected. And it's... Um, really adds an extra dimension to one's actions, but it also brings in a tremendous um, web of support, which can feel really fulfilling to feel like truly, to truly believe that you're never alone. Yeah. And that's, that's really what we wanted to the, the kind of pillar of our relationship to be. Like if we're going to be together, like what do we want? What is the, what is the purpose of our relationship? And it's to be with someone who brings us joy and adds mm -hmm. to our life. And so we want to be that for each other. And I think, a lot of people in relationships do go in as an individual thinking, how is this person going to benefit me? And they don't even often even talk about it with the person, yeah. you know, they keep that to themselves. But of course, you know, we are people who are focused on our time, focused on our money, focused on what's in front of us. And relationships take a big chunk of all of that. Yeah. And so going in thinking just about the individual instead of the team, I think is where a lot of people lose out on a potential great partnership. But I think we had that intention early on and knew that, you know, if this was going to work for us, we were going to be a team. And it really has been great to to have that mentality from the beginning. And I think too, unfortunately, maybe, maybe not. And that's, that's actually my shame I still carry with me that I use cannabis. Again, I'm from like a Christian Southern household where this is like, this is blasphemy to my family. You and know there's so. teachings that Jesus used cannabis. <laughs> I'm I, know sure. I, I mean, it makes sense to me. Like anointing oils and yeah. I'm not an expert in those, but they're out there and you might. Enjoy yeah, them. I need to, to do that and it, to educate myself so I can educate my family, but and help hopefully release some shame there. But it has just helped us so much to get to that place because again, it's, it was never something that I was even comfortable talking about with mm -hmm. when I was dating, but because I was using cannabis and when I do, it just kind of takes away all my inhibitions and my ability to communicate and so it was just able to get us to that next level but yeah, I still focus on trying to improve this shame that I feel for using cannabis like for examples I'll <laughs> initially when I used to have it at my house I would hide it from my mom and hide it from my my partner's mom but now I just leave it out I leave it I let my neighbors smell it when I'm outside smoking you know I, I want them to know that I am not hiding it because that also reminds me that I shouldn't be hiding it. Yeah. It's not something to be ashamed of. It really helps me. It could help my neighbors if maybe it opens their mind to, oh, Dr. Tyler tries that. Maybe I should too. Or even my mom, I'm like desperately trying to get her mm -hmm. to try THC because mm -hmm. she would heavily benefit. <laughs> it's a good medicine to have in the toolkit for it is. sure. It is. You, you bring in though, I think in a, in a very interesting point that so when we start to examining examine the different um, layers of imprinting, right. the things that we've been told that we're supposed to do or not supposed to do or supposed to want and not supposed to want. And um, that's a powerful thing to start to realize, yes. wait a second, all my programming is not in <laughs> resonance with my truth. Right. And to be able to start to separate and have clarity on like what is real for you and what is something that you were fed. Yeah. And um, whether it's from our families or our communities or our larger cultural systems um, or, you know, or government, there's all kinds of different 
ways that we are imprinted and yeah. it's uh, quite liberating that starts to step into your discernment of what really feels true so in that sense like that's where cannabis is a gateway to start yes. understanding uh wait a second this is not i mean i i remember being told in school that like cannabis and hard drugs were the same thing yeah. <laughs> and once i realized that wasn't true which was before i even tried it i um that allowed me to start being like what other right and what other <laughs> falsehoods was i fed so it's For a sure. disservice to systems essentially to pretend that you know but also you know they're dealing with older folks are often dealing with their own printing and printing and re-education yeah i think it's just uh what people often say generational trauma or generational mm -hmm. imprinting you know i see a lot of that in both my parents they're so much like me in so many ways and um yet so different based on what they've been taught you know we we all have both have the same morals you know be nice to people be good to people work hard um strive for the best and you know uh give to your neighbor but at the end of the day, when we have conversations, it's almost like we're speaking different languages sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I, I, that's what it was one of the goals was thinking, you know, maybe if I could slowly get my parents to start using THC, they would open their mind a little bit. My dad has used THC in the past and he used to be quite a different person when he did. Mm -hmm. Now he's found religion, which is great for him and his family. Um, but I think it's also taken away a part of who he was and his connection to who that person is. Um, so he's going to retire soon. He gets um, tested at work, of course. Ah. He can't do uh, marijuana yeah. products he, uh, with his, so his you're, position. You're going to throw him a big retirement party. I know, with like. a bunch of weed. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. The problem is it's also like a difficult place to navigate because his wife who is great, um, but she's very religious, and they 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 um, they don't agree. I think on on THC yeah. there, but I mean, I can I I still try to sneak him some. Perhaps there'll be <laughs> a perfect set and setting, like you yes. guys will be on a beautiful hike somewhere or on yes. a beach, and you can it would be reintroduce good, him. Yeah, good bonding time for mm -hmm. sure. So that's on that's on the horizon, I hope. But um, as far as where THC is going right now, do you feel in Texas that it's becoming more accepted? Do you feel like it's getting more difficult? I, I would like to think it's getting more accepted. I mean, I, the advocacy folks that have been leading that march have been really tireless and, um, in the work that's been done. And so, and they've actually made really good progress, uh, not as much progress as would be nice, and especially compared to other states. There's still, you know, from the medical side, there's still a lot of patients who could benefit with more access to cannabis, people experiencing pain, like people experiencing trauma. Um, and then there's the side of, uh, you know, people, it's, you know, it's a felony in Texas, and that's a big deal to put people in jail for cannabis possession. And it's usually often black and brown people. So, you know, the drug war, in my opinion, and opinion of others, many others as well, has been taxpayer funded racism. And sure. so it's, that's a deep tragedy. So I would love to see Texas do a better job there. And, um, I will not go down the rabbit hole of talking about our legislature, <laughs> yes. though. Um, and, but hopefully, you know, looking to other states that have um, successfully crossed that threshold and haven't seen drastic uh, increases in any problems, and if anything, have had more revenue for education and for recovery programs across the board and right. for medical health and mental health. And so... You know, as they say, poco a poco, so a little bit by little bit, we're yeah. getting there, I hope. 
Yeah, I absolutely hope so too. Do you have any um, recommendations for people who want to get involved or you know try to to you know make a difference and improve access to THC and improve legislation options? Yeah, there's a lot of um, good programs and people doing that work in Texas. One that's been working uh, nationwide is Normal, hmm. spelled without an A, and uh, they've done a lot of work for years. And um, Normal Texas, and there's also a coalition of different um, organizations in Texas that have been doing um, fighting for patient rights, fighting for um, access. And there's so it's really nice to see it's actually a, a nonpartisan uh, organization where you have, you know, Republicans for marijuana yeah. policy change and more yeah. liberal organizations. And um, but it's really easy um, often too if there's a good CBD shop, they will have uh, some good resources. And there's sure. a lot of um, uh, or even organizing things happening, particularly around our legislative session, which is every other year unfortunately but right. um but we've got one coming up good stuff mm -hmm. so I, another random question maybe you know a little bit about this i'm not familiar with what delta eight is or delta nine i think they're like they're they particular kinds of cap cannabinoids okay. that are not the thc cannabinoids gotcha. so it's a little bit and i i'm not a lawyer um but <laughs> it's a little bit in a gray area gotcha. is my understanding but sure. they do create um a, a psychoactive effect. Hmm. Um, so those to some degree, I can't like, I think it's a little bit stony if you will. Sure. Um, but I'm, it's not an area that I have a lot of expertise. Yeah. Honestly, Same. I just, uh, that's, <laughs> I think that's why it's popular is cause it's kind of like you can buy it legally, right? but legally <laughs> you can buy it legally yeah. <laughs> in Texas to my knowledge. Sure. So, mm -hmm. And do you have any experience with other psychedelics? I know there are a lot on the horizon, you know, in um, medicine right now. Uh, psilocybin is becoming really popular and, and there's a lot of research being done around it with mental health. I know it's been legalized in certain States already as well. Is that something that you're familiar with or, or no? I do about? have some oh. familiarity with it. Um, you know, it's a really multifaceted uh situation we're talking about psychedelics in general because sure. we're looking at both traditional use many of these plants are sacred plants that have been used uh, by people again for millennia yeah. um, and then there's also the medicalized model where we're going through FDA trials and that's really exciting and um, so that's a very therapeutic model it's very regulated there's um, decriminalization that's happened in Oregon and Colorado and people being trained specifically with psilocybin but also a lot of other medicine, some of which are plants, some of which are synthesized molecules. Uh, so it's, it is a really vast landscape. But I'm wondering, though, have you heard of the stoned ape theory? No. Okay. This kind oh, of. Oh wait, I think I have, but I'll let okay. you. I'll let you okay. And then I'll let you know. And I am not, you know, and this is is a theory, so um, that I will represent to the best of my ability. Um, we've been talking. It sort of fits in what we're talking about, like you know, the thing. Right. Yes, and doing yeah. things for millennia, and uh, you know, or, or as I like to say, old time religion. <laughs> we're really going back to our our original roots of being connected with the world around us. But it's postulated that as we were early, early um, in our human evolution cycle there's a particular period and I do not know off the top of my head how many you know numbers of years ago it right. was there's a particular period where human uh, brains really grew rapidly mm. like kind of inexplicably rapidly and it was at the same time that language developed 
And it was also the same time where we were entirely hunter gatherers and maybe not even to the point of being very good hunters. So, but doing a lot of uh, following of large game sure. and, um, and also, you know, being omnivores, eating a lot of whatever we could find. <laughs> and when you're following large game in their dung piles, right. mushrooms will grow and it's typically psilocybin mushrooms. Yeah. And so the idea is that humans are you know our ancestors had repeated exposure to consuming these and right. had psychedelic experiences um, and this wasn't just like one or ten times but this was like many many times over a period of many many years um, so one of the things that I find interesting about this theory is uh, if you've ever had a psychedelic experience one of the um, potential uh, elements of that experience is called synesthesia. Synesthesia is can happen without psychedelics as well, and it's when we experience one sense as another. For example, you can see music. Right. Uh, yeah. So you know, or you can maybe even you know taste something that someone that's is being said or yeah. Uh, so language is essentially synesthesia. Wow. You know, I can say cat. And you're like, oh, I have an image right. of what a cat it might yeah. be look like or, or some other you know, uh, object. So it's just very interesting that this um, substance that was very possibly consumed repeatedly uh, that produced an experience that is very similar in the brain to the experience of what language is was happening concurrently. And so it's just it's a pretty fun thing yeah. when we start thinking about again what are these long-term relationships that we've forgotten and the you know potentials are really extraordinary i also find it fascinating the way it's changing our models of pharma even like these we're having you know our, our uh, medical health our mental health models where people are able to see really dramatic um recovery rates and decreases in PTSD and other symptoms after just a short period of sessions and consuming the substance twice right. it's where it's not here's your daily pill yes. good luck with your life you know right. it's something where we're seeing radical changes that are happening in the brain and and uh, it's you know it's also sort of the ongoing like joke that's also true is you know we've been told for years like this is your brain on drugs drugs <laughs> will kill your brain and they're like well actually here's a whole class of substances that have been outlawed and vilified that increase your neural connections yes. and help form new pathways and can be not only a tool for healing, but also a tool for creativity. Uh, so it's, um, it's very exciting. Um, that said, you know, with great power comes great responsibility and uh, it's going to be a very interesting uh to watch what happens in this landscape as we also overlay it with um, our human tendency towards greed and towards exclusion and ownership. And uh, uh, so I, um, I'm, I'm very fascinated. On a personal level, they've been really um, a beautiful tool that I've seen for deepening the spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I really love to work with people on is um, helping them access the same benefits of psychedelics without psychedelics by using some of these tools and practices similar to what we've been talking about, but simple ways that we can start experiencing 
awe and unity consciousness and inspiration and heart connection and things that, again, these words that seem very intangible right. and then and maybe just experienced in a peak experience, such as a psychedelic um, experience. And then how do we really bring them in? And the word integration is used a lot. Like, how do we integrate? And it's sometimes thought of as like a talk therapy session right. after an experience. But for me, it's really more than that. It's really bringing it into... Uh, your life in a way that feels uh, true to you. Incredible. Mm -hmm. So for someone who's listening, who's like, okay, this is interesting stuff. I am a skeptic. This is not something I've usually done. I've never taken a yoga class. I've never even really heard some of these words. How do I get started? Like, what, what do I do to start trying to make these changes? And and when will I see results? Because mm. that's the questions everybody asks me, at least in medicine. How do I get started and when will I see oh, results? Oh, those are good <laughs> questions, actually. Um, so uh, there's a lot of ways. And often, as you know, once you start looking for something, you'll find it. Yes. And uh, someone asked me recently, like, what are, what are your two favorite practices? Kind of challenging me. Like, what are, yeah. And I said, saying hello to earth and saying hello to sky. Just like that. Yeah. You know, acknowledging your water before you drink it. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds like very simple and trite. Again, with we're so used to like, give me my manual, give me my app, give me my checklist. I right. will complete all the tasks. Right. Um, so, hmm. yeah, it begins by the intention to remember, I think, and to pay attention. Yeah. And I mean, I offer tools and teachings. That's one option. But uh and there's various kinds, you know, the, the larger term for what I'm talking about, it's a modern day shamanism, which is a really fraught term, especially as we just talked about with psychedelics. We have folks serving psychedelics and saying, I'm a shaman, I'm a healer. <laughs> and that's like, don't, that's a red flag for me. Right. But when I'm saying shamanism, what I mean is nature-based spirituality. And, and as I refer to old time religion. Right. Um, so that's, there are a lot of resources for that which have been labeled as shamanism, which will talk about um, various tools like um, dropping your taproot to the earth and getting in connection that way or working with um, animal allies is another one. Uh, paying attention to the cycles of the moon. and so, so it's part of it is really inviting yourself to develop awareness to the natural world around you. Right. and to your own body, as we were talking about. You said earlier, you listen to your body. Um, there's microcosms, of, the body's a microcosm, and your relation to it is an example of your relationship to the earth. So that's another thing. You can start to be curious. Say, hello, what can I learn from you? Yeah. What, what teaching, what medicine do you have for me? And, and medicine is a, a big term. It can be not just a substance, but it can be something that has a healing quality. Something that has a quality of elevating and nourishing. So it's really initially about asking and being curious. There's lots of different in-person groups. Like I said, there's so many different books and online resources. But your best teacher for anyone is truly going to be your own desire to tune in and listen. Right. Yeah. And when you have a new client, do they ever ask you, like, when will I see improvement? And when will I? Because I know for me, that question is always very difficult because yeah. it depends on what they classify as improvement. Like really for me, anytime you're on a journey, especially with yourself spiritually, the improvement starts that day one. Yeah. You know? I, was, <laughs> I, say, I, I like to think my clients have immediate improvement yes. after our session. <laughs> right. And right. Uh, yeah, I, I, 
typically, yeah, I, I want to say always, but that yeah. sets me up a bit. But there's always an element of relief. And yes. there's always, with every client I have, there's something that I'll offer right then and there that's very tangible. Um, I also do, um, I use some of the practices that I've been taught from um, other uh ancestor wisdom keepers and um so that's some of what i'll share so i'll do like an energy work with people during our session and that can be really nourishing and really helpful to receive that kind of um support in that way and that's definitely in the woo category but uh i try to um there's various ways that i also offer that in group settings both online and in person so people can dip in and experience that rather than feeling like they've got to be there on their own which can feel intimidating to step into something where you're like i have no idea what's going to happen so sure yeah have you seen certain clients make dramatic changes where you're like Oh my goodness! I can't, I did not anticipate you to go this far. I didn't anticipate you to grow this much. I didn't anticipate you to really find yourself in this way. I um, that's an interesting question. I honestly um, have a completely open mind with what that's people good. can do. Yeah, and I also um, I really learned this when I some a lot of my work with Kale was with um, Whole Foods and I ran yeah. their health eating education program. So working with thousands of people and trying to help people buy healthier <laughs> food and eat healthier food and cook, you know, how do we do that? And I worked with so many people that I really, the metaphor that resonated for me was planting seeds. Where I was like, I am just out here sowing seeds. Yeah. And some of those seeds may like, bloom right away and some may never take root and some may take years and it's not my job to go and water every seed yeah it's i'm just like sharing what i have to share and so it's really beautiful you know if something comes back that i've put out into the world and is later like ah i've been harvesting fruit from this thing you planted and i'm like oh what a you know what a blessing that is to me what an honor that is to me to help you in that way right and so in that sense like i i'm always open to the field of miracles um yeah yeah I, and going on along with kale a, a lot of my patients ask me you know um what type of diet should I follow? What can I do to make myself feel better, to lose weight, to reach my goals? And I always say diets don't work is always my first thing because you need to make lifestyle changes that you're going to be able to stick with and that are going to help guide your decisions with food. And and, and then also relearning your relationship with food. Mm-hmm. This all happened with me also in the last like two years because... <laughs> Uh, I knew I'm not sure if I brought this up on the podcast. I probably have, but I'll probably say it many times. So last year, early 2022, um, I was eating really poorly. My partner and I were having like a 12 uh, case of donuts every night from Krispy Kreme, like every single night, every single night. And this was just a part of the day, right? So we ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner, snacks in between. And then we also had other things for dessert. So... (laughs) I was gaining weight and, and sweet too. Yes. Yes. So my, my thing was, is I would work. I, I've always had a really crazy schedule since the pandemic, uh, working really, you know, 9am until sometimes midnight seeing patients. And then in the middle of the day, I would go to the gym for a couple hours. So my reward for all that hard work and going to the gym for doing mm-hmm. an hour on cardio and an hour working out 
would be food. And that was my relationship with food was reward. It was mm-hmm. how I was celebrating the, the hard you know, day's work. And unfortunately, that was not a good feedback mechanism for me to make good choices. And so at that time, I literally looked at my partner and said, I'm addicted to Krispy Kreme donuts. It was the first time I had really realized. And I'm like, I'm actually addicted to food. And I was actually scared. I was scared that I was not going to be happy without them because they were a source of joy for me mm-hmm. during a stressful day. And um, it also was a bonding experience between us. We would have donuts every day and it's very fun, you know? <laughs> and so um, slowly though, we decided that we would start making small changes and and see how we did. And so I, was, I swapped the donuts for um, Captain Crunch cereal because I love that too. And it's a sweet, you know, meal and at least it's one bowl of cereal. It's not fried cereal. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And then just from there, I went from cow's milk to almond milk. Then I switched to special K and then I switched to fruit and then I switched Mm -hmm. to peanut butter that we make from home. And so it's just been a a small adjustment type phase. It takes a really long time, but my patients are like, I want to make changes now that happen right now so I can have my body perfect in six weeks, you know, and that's just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But you are in a position of authority with those patients right. where you could get out your prescription pad and write out, uh, you have to eat you know, yes. six cups of greens a day, Right. no such and such. Right. And sometimes, and I, something I found is as I worked with, again, a you know, large swath of people, uh, some people, we all are, we all have sort of different wiring and some people are doing better with like, this is my lifestyle change, this yes. is my habit. And other people need a cold turkey yes. situation, like True. they're in an intervention piece. I mean, and food is really challenging because, um, you know, if you're if you're an alcoholic, for example, it's like you know that it's going to be the party that you have to avoid, or the bar, or that friend. Like it's very, it's a little more controlled. Right. Whereas, like if it's food, like. It's at the gas station. It's at the person's birthday party. It's at your work. It's at the, you know, it's Everywhere. like, it's just like, yeah, there's no, and it's such a, an overwhelming reward system that's built into our whole culture. Yes. And again, like we we're talking about that imprinting earlier, that is a tremendously huge imprinting that we're all working on. For sure. Um, so it's, it's hard. <sighs> Many, it's yeah. Hard. Yeah. But, you know, I think it sounds like you have the support system of your partner yes. is really key. And, and he cooks too. Which oh, is, lucky you. I mean, it's like I won the lottery. I mean, he is the lottery for me, but <laughs> the cooking aspect, oh my goodness. And it's it's been a huge um, part of why we've been so successful. And it's not something that I, I can really s- try to encourage people for because I don't know their situation with their partner or my partner and we work together so we have hours to make you know set aside and say this is going to be our food time this is when we prep food and obviously produce takes a little bit more time you know you have to prepare you have to buy it on a schedule because it goes bad and we try not to put our produce in the fridge because we want to eat it as fresh as possible so that makes it even more complicated mm-hmm. um, so you know just trying to make those small changes so you can get to that that final step which is what we did um, but really just what I tell patients is just try to make it about the produce it's so simple yeah. just put your cart in the grocery store there yeah. And make sure eighty percent of what you're leaving with is produce, you and, know. And and if in in any way to make that plant more vegetable based or more fruit based, I think is a is a win. Yes. And maybe it's adding a handful of 
you know, baby spinach from the bag that's already washed, yes, that's super something. easy, yes. into the thing that you're, into the pasta, into the thing that you're already making. I'm also like a big fan of sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. Like that is one of the easiest things in the world to bake, you know, stick a fork in it, maybe put it on a cookie sheet so it doesn't drip its sweet juices and then you yep. can put, then if you still put butter or even maple syrup on it, like it doesn't, or, you know, salsa, like there's, it's a blank pat. Uh, canvas for yeah. you to add to and it really I also like to say folks you, you don't have to stand there and watch it cook right. <laughs> like, just you know? put it in yeah. come back or, or regular potatoes like yeah. what so there's just finding these little wins where people can move from you know cereal to oatmeal and you can soak your oats overnight and yes. the nice thing now is there's just so many resources yes. like online yes. Yes. on the messages that you're putting out there's right. recipes there's the quick thing so it's just that little bit sometimes of telling someone like you have to, or they get that little bit of motivation to make the habitual change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, it's interesting because what you're talking about, we're talking about is habits. Yes. And yes, that's yes, a big yes. piece that I also work with, but in like that spiritual component of, in of weaving in gratitude and awe and love. And so taking something that you already do, um, and making that habit infused with something that's more nourishing to your soul. And so like one of my favorite examples is, um, so I drink, I drink a glass of water every morning. Most people I know drink a glass of water every morning. And if you don't, I recommend doing so. (laughs) It's a great practice. So, um, but before I drink my water now, I um, take a moment with it. And this can go from, you know, this can take me a minute. This could take me 20 minutes if I really wanted to get into it. And if possible, I step outside into my backyard. And if I'm traveling or something, it's fine. You don't have to be outside. And I acknowledge, you know, my body. I acknowledge the the land I'm on. My practice also brings in, like, my parents, my ancestors, you know, the, yeah. uh, the plants that I love. It brings in whatever I'm feeling is important to me and grateful. And I hold my water while I do that. I also greet the sky. And so it's just a way to start bringing into presence. And it sets my bar of gratitude for the day. It also sets the bar of awe and love mm-hmm. where it's, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm alive. Like That's, <laughs> I know. that's pretty amazing <laughs> when you think about all the things that had to happen for me to be right here, right now. In this yeah. So any of this way to kind of tap into that. And again, this might be something that I'm just doing really quickly because I got to get my kids to school and this and that. Um, and then I take the water and I pour a little bit of it onto the earth. Mm. And then I drink the rest of the water and pour the last little bit onto the earth. And it's just, it's such a simple practice that it's, doing something I already do. I already right. drink the water and I'm just adding this moment um, where you don't have to go on, get uncomfortable and sit on a cushion and torture <laughs> yourself for half an hour. You don't have to, you know, I don't have to do all these things and make a big lifestyle change. It's just this little way where I'm able to acknowledge the mystery, yeah. acknowledge myself. And uh, so, yeah, that's the kind of thing where I'm like to do those little things, whether it's for food, whether it's for the relationship connection of eye gazing and taking that moment with your partner, whether it's with your water, just to marvel in this grand mystery that we're all living in. Those are, I feel, really powerful but simple practices. Yeah, I think it's also a great way just to sort of set the tone for your body and mind during the 
that, that part of the day and, and just getting ready to start your day with positivity. What I'm, I'm also focusing on is a lot of my patients will say negative things about themselves mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. I say negative things about myself to myself and I'm always listening. My yeah. partner, we will say things like, oh, I look like crap today or, oh, I did horrible or, you know, but those little things, my ears are listening to everything mm-hmm. I say about myself mm-hmm. and my brain is listening. All the cells in my body are listening and they react. You know, if I'm, if I'm talking to myself in this negative way, what do you think my body's going to do in response? It's going to respond negatively. Yeah. You know, it's going to be tense. It's going to be tight. It's going to be in that space, that negative headspace. I think our body truly is always listening to us. There's this great interview that Oprah did with, I forget his name, some, um, some, uh, really smart gentleman. And they had a string with a coin on it. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Mm-mm. And so the coin is just static. And then the guy tells Oprah that he wants her to think about the coin going back and forth. And so she's just looking at the coin and it's not moving and she's thinking back and forth and it starts going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then she, he says to her, now think of the coin going in a circle and she's not moving her hand, yeah. but it's going in a circle. And the intention that your body listens to and feeds to every cell and every movement and every muscle contracture, you know, that's happening 24 seven. And we don't even think to take a moment and acknowledge it. The body knows. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my, my favorite things. We talked about saying hello to the earth. It's like, well, say hello to the body. Like, yeah. Hello, body. And also, like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for doing <laughs> we, millions of trillions <laughs> of functions that I didn't have to think about right. that have helped me grow and respirate and have this, like, incredibly interesting experience of being corporeal, of being embodied, of experiencing all the senses and pleasures and even the pains. Like it's all really, it's fantastic to be alive and get to experience this and to acknowledge the body as this vehicle that has made it possible is pretty fun. (laughs) I agree. I think too, for those of us who grew up in a more, you know, conservative or Christian, you know, background, when I was younger, the first experience I had with opening my mind or, um, these thoughts of the inner heart or soul, um, was through yoga. Yoga had become popular when I was like 14 or 15. And I was like, I want to try this yoga. This is what the people in LA are doing in New York city. I want to, cause you know, I want to be like a big city person, you know? (laughs) And so I started going to yoga and then it was becoming a part of a topic in school. And I went to a Christian school where we had Bible class every day. We had chapel every Thursday. It was very intensive. And they started talking about how yoga was not something we should be doing because we should never clear our mind. Our mind should always be focused on God. Hmm. And then always also the thanks we were supposed to give was never to ourselves or to our own body, but to God. So, and I understand that, and and they have a very specific God. They're usually referring to Jesus and that sort of, um, trifecta. (laughs) And so they have a point of what they're trying to, to, uh, make there and that that's the the religion that they are preaching. But for me, that set me back a lot because I was really never able to communicate with myself or kind of ground into myself until much later in my life. And I wonder who I would have been, had I come to that acknowledgement earlier, if maybe we had taught this to kids at an earlier you know, place in their lives. I mean, even maybe the choices I would have made as far as, you know, my um, occupation, my relationships with my family and friends, like all those things could have been different. And I'm happy with where I'm at. I wouldn't want to change a thing. But I just wonder, you know, what are we spending our life doing if not acknowledging everything around us and being grateful for the body we have and the earth we have? And to the point of what you're teaching, we were taught, like, isn't it all God? Right. So shouldn't I be in awe? You right. Know, the idea to ever, uh, uh, 
theological conversation with a friend of mine years ago, and she was very devoted to Christianity, and I grew up in a, in a Christian household as well, and uh, and was the idea around, is God outside you or inside you? Mm. And for me, I was like, oh, inside me, of course. And she w- w- felt like it was outside. It was something she was working towards. Mm. And I was so grateful that I had the experience in my upbringing, even as a, you know, in a Catholic upbringing, that, oh, no, I, I'm part of God. Like, yeah. there's nothing outside the circle. I love that. And, yeah, so it's... Uh, Again, I feel from it's that theme of remembrance yeah. and remembering yourself True. as a holy being. And yeah, I think I would have maybe had. I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure that it was ever described to me in that way. I certainly would have loved to hear that. But also, as a young gay person, I was very conflicted on how how aligned I was with God. I felt so um, shameful. I use that word a lot today um, about being gay that I thought there's no way I could be connected to God. There's no way God is inside me. There's no way I'm a part of, you know, the greater spirituality of, of, of being one of God's children. And so there was always that kind of back and forth as well too. So I had, um, an interesting relationship you know, trying to get grasp how, cause I always was taught to God is everywhere. God is all of us. But because of my uh, sexuality, I felt very much like I wasn't a part of the team, but part of the like club. All of it except for that <laughs> <The one gaze>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm sure many of us can feel that way when we are a part of a minority group or even not, you know, I think in many ways women can feel mm-hmm. um, alienated through religion and um, it does still feel like a lot of the time it is a white man's, you know, world, just religion in general. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, that's why I really, I really feel drawn and passionate about uh, reclaiming spirituality. Yeah, and like that. Yeah, not not needing, um, even when we said like, where should we learn? I was like, you're the best (laughs) teacher. There's lots of guides, there's lots of teachers, but um, we already know, you already know in your heart of hearts, like who you are. And why you're here. Exactly. And so it's removing the imprinting. It's removing the stories we've been fed that are the lies of separation. Yeah. And Absolutely how do we... Like yeah. Lies of separation. It's a, we've been all fed a lie of separation. For sure. And so we're on a path of remembering each other and ourselves. And whether we want to say God or Yahweh or Creator or Spirit or, you know, the great mystery, it's, you know, I believe that lives in us all. And the trick is then also like how do you how do you live your life when you believe that everything is sacred, and yourself included, and that's where <laughs> that's where it gets tricky. But uh, we're, we're all learning along that path as well. Yeah, very oh. very true. And so I know one of the things that you do um, with your uh, clients has to do with singing. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear about that and yeah. what that process is like. Yes. Um, and this came about. You know, I, I love to I love to share. Uh, song and I also love to help people sing themselves and um, if we've been we're talking a lot about religion so in most creation myths and this is across the world it has to do with sound and vibration and even if you look at the Bible in the beginning was the word and sound you know if we, we look at from a quantum physics perspective everything is vibration and what is sound is vibration too. So we're getting really to the origins of creation. Right. And 
So it gets very deep quickly when we talk about the idea that um, we can be healed through sound and we can be healed through song. And so some of the teachings are that the human voice is one of the most healing things, if not the most healing thing on the planet. And with voice and intention, you can carry the vibration of love and with it healing and all of the beautiful things we've been talking about through song. And one analogy I use for reclaiming our voice is similar to what we were just talking about with the church. This idea that, um, you know, no, this is not for you. Like, this is not you. This is, you've got to come through us right. to get to God. Right. And we've kind of, that's been a way that we have also experienced singing. That, which in singing is cross-culturally in every spiritual and religious tradition. It's yeah. part of what you do as praise. It's part of the way that we are becoming a physical vessel for vibration and for the divine. And when we're in this culture of like the best singer, the trained singers that, you know, which are fun to admire. I'd love, yeah. you know, really excellent singers. Right. I get goosebumps too. Uh, but it, it takes away from our own ability to hold that vibration of song without right. shame. Right. And um, so that's <laughs> something I love to do. And one of the ways I do that is like, I sing a lot, but I am not a trained singer. I'm not, a, I definitely have moments of voice cracking or this or that, but I feel like that's great because it encourages other people to feel like they don't have to show up as a performance and as perfect. So many of the traditions that I have been fortunate to learn from and work with use song as part of the healing. Sure. And sometimes they are learned traditional songs, but a lot of what I work with um, with my clients is um, I'm essentially channing, channeling a song. And I often don't know what I'm going to sing until I start singing. And it's a way that I'm bringing in the vibration of whether it's the earth or the sky or the waters, like what, what medicine we're connecting with. And I'll sing them a song that I usually won't remember afterwards. Wow. That's just coming through in the yeah. moment. Um, I sing a lot in Spanish. I'm not a native Spanish speaker. So it's also like, that's a little nervous. I'm just like <laughs> opening up and see what flows out. But it's um, been really beautiful to hold that vibration and to witness. So a lot of people have said like, oh, you're such a good singer. I love your singing. I can't sing. And I'm like, well... Yeah, you can. Let's let's work on that. Right. And so that's been a really beautiful thing that I have begun to share more and more. Um, so I do that in various ways. I hold um, in-person song circles in Austin, mm -hmm. but I also do an online uh, course called Your Sacred Voice. Wow. And that um, starting another one of those in April. Um, it's been such a delight to hold that um, container for people. And we go through a lot of different tools, um, getting people to start removing the imprint well, we've been talking about this idea that like, oh, you're not a singer or even, you know, we hold, we talk a lot about the integration of the head and the heart and the throat is the place between that. Right. And it's our really like a very vulnerable and exposed area of our bodies. And, you know, think about tightness in your throat when you're feeling nervous or every time someone told you to shut up. Or something. So there's just a lot of closeness that we're having here, um, both from our own belief systems and also what's been, um, you know, foisted upon us. So we work with various practices to start to let that go, and some of that even begins as like just um, experimentally toning in the body, and we can do it quickly if yeah, you want, just I like a little that. bit. So yeah. I mean, part of it is um, 
like getting out of our idea of that I'm supposed to show up in a certain way. I'm supposed to make this sound, hit this tune, and just the invitation to start to be curious about vibration in your body. So let's uh, let's take a big breath together and just like and let our body relax and sort of notice where we're holding anything. And I'm going to invite you to, in your own time, take another breath and then see if you can put the sound into your low belly and make a, a humming or a toning sound like, oh, just be curious and see where it shows up in your body. And does it change if you change the pitch? Does it change if you change the vowel intonation? It's a, a beautiful thing to start being curious. We're building the relationship with our body, but we yeah. can do that with sound. And does it feel different, loud or soft? And does a different vowel feel different? And so just that's, I teach different ways to access that, but part of it is beginning to just get comfortable making noise and exercising right. those vocal cords. And then we go deeper into um, how to hear the song of a place. Because mm -hmm. there's in those teachings of everything having its own vibration, right. like they have their own melody too. So you can start to learn how to open up and let melodies throw, flow through. And that's like a beautiful thing to embody in yourself and to uh, gift others with. And it's just, you know, from a medical standpoint, as you know, too, you start to uh, vibrate the vagal nerve. And that is just so healing on yes. so many levels, regulating the system. My understanding of that nerve, too, is it's very involved with our how we're um, translating sensory input. So our whole nervous system can start to be regulated as we begin to sing and relax yeah. and allow that. So those are some of the things I work with with people. And then a lot of people do want to work towards being able to sing comfortably in front of others or sure. with others. You talked about your partner sharing yeah. stuff. Like uh, my partner and I met over singing. And, um, and it's been a fun adventure. And again, it was like non-performative kind of house party yeah. singing stuff. And it's such a joy to sing with each other, with our families, with our friends. Um, so that's... That's one thing that I love to share. But um, if you want, I could sing you a blessing song. I would love that. Okay. I am okay. not used to doing this recording. So yeah, no, no just pressure. Just take a moment. And, um, Should I close my eyes? You can do whatever I'm feels good relax. to you. All so right, yeah. Good. And, you know, one, one invitation is to be open yeah. hmm, to receiving. And I'm also going to plant the idea that you know, we think of hearing with our ears, mm -hmm. but really we're receiving vibration with our whole body. Right. And which we certainly notice if you're like at a concert, yes. and you're like, dum, dum, dum. So, <laughs> but, so that's another invitation here, as you can imagine that like your body is receiving this blessing, your heart's receiving this blessing. It's, yeah, it's all coming in. I love that. Hmm. Bendiciones en tu vida, bendiciones de corazón, bendiciones para tu familia, 
Bendiciones de corazón. Abre, abre, cuerpecito. Abre, abre, camino. Recibiendo tus regalos. Tu bendigo. Más, más, amorcito. Más, más, salud. Recibiendo tus regalos. Abre, abre, corazón. Ya no, ya no, espíritu. Ya no, ya no, armonía. Entre, entre, alegría. Y más, abundancia. Bendiciones para Tyler, bendiciones para ti, bendiciones regalitos para Tylercito. I don't know why that made me like a little emotional. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're a great singer. Oh, it's just spirit. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I've never even thought of song in that way. I've thought mm-hmm. a lot about dance in that mm-hmm. perspective only because I've always been sort of drawn into dance for some reason. I've always wanted to be a dancer again. Yeah. That was just too feminine for my mom to ever let me do something like that. So I do a lot of like dancing and that's kind of how I get in touch with my body from time to mm-hmm. time and just release stress. But I've, I've always thought I had a, por- a horrible voice, which is again, not something I should say out loud because I'm listening. And, uh, you know, it makes me want to, to give it a try. <coughs> it's so fun. You should come to one of, if you wish, you're welcome to come to one of the song circles that we do, which are really welcoming. And there's always a chance to warm up and also like improv and sing songs and that are known as well, but we make it really welcoming. I would love that. Yeah. What awesome. A great way to cool. meet people in Austin too. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. relatively new here. So that would be incredible. Thank you so much. Yay, for inviting I'm happy me. to have you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm like, it's sort of in awe of you. There's just so much to learn. I definitely oh. would love to spend more time together. Um, if you have interest in coming back, we would. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, there's lots of juicy things that we touched on where I was yeah. like, we can go deeper into that. Um, yeah, particularly like that psychedelic conversation is something that I, yeah. I know people continue to be curious and interested about. Right. And I'd love to pick up that thread too, Please. especially around like people are curious, what do they do or what do they don't do? Right. And um, yeah, responsible ways to explore that. Yeah, I think that'd be great. A lot of people have asked me too if that's something I'm able to prescribe or if that's something I'm mm. able to recommend. And I don't have many resources. So learning more about that would be great. And maybe having some side combos about us hanging out and doing some singing. Let's do it. That would be, <laughs> Sounds great. That would be great. And awesome. so for the listeners out there who want to get in touch with you and mm-hmm. learn more about how you can help them, what's the best way for them to reach you? I have a website and Instagram and it's a the awoken child. Uh, dot com if you're on online and uh, I offer uh, free full moon blessings every month mm-hmm. so that's a way for people to tune in to like the energy that's happening and go through a little bit of the woo and be I get some blessing songs but I also work with like guidance on how to manage some of the thought patterns and emotions that are going up because there's a lot up in this world right now and we can all use more support. So that's one way I show up. And then I also, I do a lot of work remotely with people. I have clients all over the world. So I'm happy to do individual sessions too and to share more resources. I mean, I feel like my purpose and my dream is to help uh, humans be in better harmony with themselves 
with each other and with the earth. So I'm really dedicated to doing that and helping people do that in whatever way I can. So I really, I'm really honored to have this chance to connect with you and see your bright spirit and learn what more about you and uh, yeah, to share these messages and conversations with your audience. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. You've been super inspiring. I mm-hmm. want to take away your goals for what you want for your life and apply them to myself mm-hmm. because I definitely agree that trying to just bring people back to that simplicity of building their relationship with themselves and the earth is something that I need to put more forefront in, in how I treat my patients and educate them as well. So thank you again. It sounds like you're doing a good time. job. I'm yeah. trying. <laughs> you're doing a great job. <laughs> well, thank good you job. so much. Thank you, Tyler.